Okay, and we are live. I am joined by Remy. Remy No, please introduce yourself and we'll get started. All right, so hello everyone. This is Remy No, and I'm known to do some uh, stupid, uh, crazy things online or sometimes uh, just writing mostly, making videos, posting photos, uh, that sort of thing. So that's me. Well, great. Anyways, thanks for coming on the show. No, joking, joking. So, uh, yeah. <laughs> I'm finally here. You invited me so many times and I couldn't make it, but now. Well, I mean, you've uh, you've you've had quite an quite an interesting set of months, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. 2018 was a little bit uh, difficult, but uh, we're starting a new year now, so uh, right. Let's go for it. Yeah, yeah. So, 2018 can eat a bag of dicks, as far as I'm concerned, as well. So, oh yeah, that's good. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, anyway, so uh, just to uh, to let people also know, you do live in Japan. Wow, amazing, right? Yeah. Holy crap! Yeah. <laughs> how how magical is it that you're uh, you're living in such a wonderful anime fields, rainbows uh, like and gumdrops you, place? You just go outside, man, and like the they they shove like sushi down your throat. You have like anime like on every screen in the in the municipality everywhere. You have cosplayers on every street corner. I swear to God, this is exactly like the anime. Yes, so everybody yes. should come here expecting it to be exactly like every anime they've ever seen combined. Oh, right? totally. Yes, yeah. yes. Yeah. So, anyway, be, beyond that. Um, I, I wanted to know when you came to this magical, wonderful unicorn land. <laughs> when? <laughs> uh, I moved in 2009. 2009. So I came in, yeah, I came from Canada in 2009. And, uh, well, I, I came to Japan a little bit before that just for a trip. In 2006, I came for two weeks in October, November. So I came, I traveled a little bit, uh, like one week mostly in Tokyo and the other week mostly in the West, so mostly like uh, Hiroshima, Kyoto, Osaka, like even Fukuoka. And I thought it was nice. I thought I'd give it a, I'd give it a go for like six months. Right. But in 2009, I finally came with a, a working holiday visa, which is something Americans cannot get. Um, so I came in with that. So after six months, I renewed it for for another six months, which you can only do once. You can only get the working holiday uh, for up to a year. So you cannot renew it. Like it has to be consecutive. So you cannot renew it later in your life. It's like one chance only, which I did. And after a year, I thought, eh, this is not so bad. So I just like kept on living here. So, okay. Okay. Yeah. Here I am. So what was the initial motivation to? Uh, visit Japan in the first place well the thing is like I didn't travel much in my life so uh, I was a big fan of languages actually when I was a kid I was learning uh, I was learning mostly like uh, I started with German some Arabic too but I kind of forgot everything and then I kind of stuck with Japanese I thought that was interesting and as the years went on I just started learning a few words here and there nothing too solid I never really studied Japanese at some university or anything like that. I just kind of studied the language here and there because I thought it was interesting. And at some point, I just got tired of Canada. I'm not sure how to say it, but uh, there's not much going on there. So I thought, what if I tried 
like living in a big place at some point, like maybe Tokyo or at least near it, you know, just see what happens. So I thought, well, at least I know some Japanese. So maybe I should try Japan, and I did, and that's why I came. All right. Well, that's uh, it's it's very simple, but I mean that's a great reason more than ever, you know. So, uh, what um, you said you started studying languages at an early age. Uh, yeah. Uh, how old were you when you decided to study more than just French and English? Because you're from was, you're you're from Eastern Canada, right? So yeah. So, Quebec, I'm, so. I'm, well, I'm from New Brunswick, but oh, I say okay. Quebec because it's just easier to say anyway. Okay. <laughs> Um, yeah, so uh, of course I'm French Canadian with a name like Remy. I mean, you can't can't go against that. But um, I started learning languages at a really young age. It was I was like six or seven. Wow. It was I was really interested in that hmm. because, mind you, where I grew up, like it's very uh, monotonous, right? It, like everything is the same, monogenous. I mean, hmm. and uh, like everybody's white. Everybody's speaking the same language. Everybody thinks the same way. So I've always valored an environment where you have more uh, variety, more more diversity. So you came so, to Japan in the end. Yeah, so I guess that's also <laughs> in line with this, right? Yeah. Because, I mean, sure, there are things where, like, Japan is just Japan, but you have those big, like, those, like, those metropolises. Like, you have... Kyoto, yeah, yeah, sorry, you have Tokyo, you have Osaka, and those are like perfect hubs for everybody around the world to come, right? So right. you have those chances to meet people from anywhere. So, yeah, so that idea of diversity started when I learned languages when I was uh, like five, six, or seven. And uh, and I know it's just something that I kind of liked, hmm. and I just stuck with it. Okay. So it's to a point that when I go in, into an environment when it's too uh, where, where it's too monogenous, I'm, I actually feel don't I, I actually don't feel comfortable for some reason. Right, right. And I want to go to a place where it's like more varied or, or or whatnot. I don't really have a reason for this. It's just it's just how I am. Yeah, just like a, a personal thing that struck you at at a young age, so it just sort of um, grew from there, right? Yeah, exactly. So yeah, uh, yeah so I just like. Like anywhere I can go where you have some diversity, I will go there. So it's not just location; it's also like workplaces. It's also uh, your circles of friends. You know, it's just that I just find it important to have like that that that, that diversity or or the variety in backgrounds and opinions and thoughts. You know, right, right. So it's, it's always something that I kind of long for. You know, I always went with this. Well, that's that's pretty cool, actually. Um, what? Uh... So, what was the first language that you learned outside of the uh, the languages you grew up with? Was it German? You said. Well, of course, English was the first one. Yeah. Because like where I grew up, everything was was French, and believe it or not, like not everybody where I grew up like is able to speak English. Uh, it's actually like the majority of the people cannot speak the language, or they can maybe a little bit, but not that much. Um, so I, I went with English first because I, 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 I don't know, I just understood that it was like a language that was quite common around, around the world. So I just went with that. And after that, I just kind of tried uh, different things. So the first one that I tried after English was German. Um, I tried some Arabic. Uh, 
And afterwards, I think afterwards was Japanese. But Japanese was not just the spoken language, it was also the written one. Right. When I saw, when I finally saw a language, like I know Arabic, they use a different script, but uh, Japanese, like when I saw the kanji, which I didn't know was what was called back then. For me, it was just Chinese characters. Well, I mean, kanji literally means that, but anyway. Um, so I just wanted to know, like, well, what does that mean? What does that mean? You know, it must mean something. So, like, we think it's a hard way to write, but I'm thinking, well, for them, they grew up with this, so I guess it's not that hard. It's not impossible to learn. So I just, you know, just went with that. Right, right. Now, is that the the thing you studied first was the Chinese characters? Um, I didn't study them. It's just like sometimes I would, I mean, in, in that time, like I didn't have like high speed internet or anything. I didn't even right. have internet at home. So I was stuck with like, okay, I have a symbol. What's this? Yeah. Um, I think at some point, like I bumped into, like I had that, that set of uh, encyclopedias at home that my parents bought. And I was just like spending like hours just like reading an encyclopedia, a bit like what we do with Wikipedia today, right? You just like browse and all that. So I was in there, and I th I think at some point I stumbled upon a list of like simple like Chinese characters and whatnot. I went with this, and I remember a little bit later, and I'm maybe you went through that too, but I bought Mario Paint. Yeah, I, I did play Mario Paint. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And the instruction fun. manual had the list of uh, katakana and hiragana as well. Wow. Yeah, I, I didn't even think about that at the time. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They actually like wrote this and that. They actually said in English like for uh, like to encourage like, people to uh, have that I don't know like worldly view or whatever. Like here are some characters and how you read them. You know. So oh, that's I thought it was cool. pretty cool. You know, just I just went with that. Yeah, I, I remember the first time I saw Mario Paint, um, I'm not sure exactly what this was, but in my hometown, there was there was like some sort of traveling Nintendo show, and they set, oh, okay. yeah, they set up a lot of booths in the local Walmart parking lot, and they had, <laughs> yeah, yeah, they had like different game stations, uh, Super Mario World, and Super Mario Paint, and, and other Super Nintendo games. That you could try out and play, and one of them was Mario Paint. I remember, and I remember messing around with like the fly swatter thing and the music making part. <laughs> oh, wait. Yeah. yeah, we all did this. But yeah. wait, uh, what? What city was it? Uh, sorry, uh, I'm I'm from a really small town, uh, but I just say I'm, I live close to Dallas Fort Worth. But it's it's oh, a, okay. Yeah, a really small town called Stephenville, which uh, there is actually one other Stephenville. In the world, and it's in Canada. So, oh, yeah, yeah I think it's uh, Newfoundland. It's in Newfoundland, maybe. Hmm. It sounds like a Newfoundland name. I don't yeah. know. So yeah. I guess I guess it would be there. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, like where I grew up, like it's. I mean, what I feel is that where you grew up is like it was, it was on their way. So they stopped by and they did that thing, right? Right. But where I grew up, it was like you know, like uh, all the way like past Maine. Like nobody cares about this. So. Uh, nobody comes to our town, so uh, I didn't have that chance to have all that Nintendo stuff. But uh, I think like the first Nintendo thing, like the, the Nintendo fanboyism that I started was to get a Nintendo Power. Nintendo. Oh, the magazine, right? The magazine, yeah. yeah. So before that, I got uh, 
remember there was a time when Nintendo was distributed by Mattel. Yeah. In the very yeah, right, the yeah. very early days of the NES, mm-hmm. it was distributed by Mattel, and Mattel put out that flyer. It was not a magazine; it was just like a flyer with some game tips and whatever. So uh, I used to get that, and then I got a Nintendo Nintendo Power. So uh, memories, man. Yeah, yeah. I remember. <laughs> I remember the Nintendo Power uh, magazine. That was that was crazy. And also, did you ever buy the uh, the NES glove, the Power glove? I never got that one. Yeah. I thought it looked so cool. I wanted to get that, it was, but uh, yeah, couldn't find it anywhere. The best I had personally was. Um, the duck hunt pistol which i oh. thought was magic at the time i thought how how the hell can this gun shoot some like shoot something invisible at the screen and it and it interacts with the screen so my oh. my 5 year old mind was was blown at that point so <laughs> me what, like i mean that was cool but i hmm. think like i like like so many people the first thing the first thing that really got me glued to the tv was mario yeah. I swear I swear to God, like that game, I played it so much that people in school were calling me Mario. And not in the nice way. They actually were kind of mean about it. Yeah. But um, I don't know, for me it was that game where like you just like, oh, you move in that big world and you can explore stuff and whatever. For me that was fun, you know? Right. Um, and yeah, nowadays I'm more into like maybe a little bit more mature games, I guess. Yeah. Uh, like I did like Odyssey, but it was not like it was nice. It was a really good game, but I actually played better. I'm not sure if you catch what I mean, but um, like uh, like since I always like exploration, right? Like I always like like uh, even in Japan, sometimes I just go outside and just walk around, just to go into some narrow streets, see what's happening there, and like yeah, exactly. what is this and that. And I and I did the same thing in games. So Mario started from there. And more recently, since the, since two years ago, I started with Breath of the Wild. That that game was, you know, I, I haven't gamed for like three or four years before playing that one. Yeah. So like I, I missed all out like the open world and everything. I I missed out. Okay. So when I played this, it was like, I was amazed by this. What, the way you could explore everything, right? Right. Was that your first uh, like modern open world game? It was, and also, funny enough, it was basically my first Zelda. Like, I mean, I played the Zelda on NES, I played the one on SNES, but it never really did anything for me. Like, the one on SNES had a lot more text, and in the time I could not read English. That was not helping. Hmm. Um, that was a good way to, to study English, though, right? Uh, well, yes well, and no, but uh, like not, you know, not your intention, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah. Well, the the thing is, like, you, like you don't like if you get something wrong, you have nothing to correct you. That's that's the mm. thing, right? Mm-hmm. Because like, I remember like uh, the first Mario game, like, uh, sorry Mario, but your princess is in another castle. I like when I was a kid, I was like, what's a castle? But like, <laughs> I didn't know how to pronounce that. Like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know. And like it took my parents like three days. Like, oh, it's castle. You mean like, oh, okay. I didn't know. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, I remember the first time I learned the word city. We, um, I saw it on a Looney Tunes cartoon, and it, it was written like some dog catcher was driving, and it said like city dog catcher on his truck. And I was thinking, why the hell is he trying to catch a dog? But his truck says kitty dog catcher or something. And <laughs> and, then, and then I learned what city was in the site in the. Um, not silent sea, but the uh, the 
the C soft C is it, it is a soft C right mm -hmm. uh, that uh, that sounds like the s sound so uh, you know even through media like that I was just that's how I learned a lot of vocabulary on my own um, even in my native language was just through games and TV as well yeah, uh, th that's what it is, right? The, the written doesn't really tell you how it's pronounced all the time. So you, you bump into those mistakes. And coming back to the gaming, like, uh, like I noticed a pattern where, like, oh, I actually like those games where you're, like, that sort of like that lone wolf mm. and you just explore everything on your own. So I played Breath of the Wild. Uh, then I played Rhyme on PS4. Uh, we have our common friend Kevin. Yeah, he came to see me play that game live. I was streaming it, and <laughs> we both cried when I finished the game. So <laughs> that was wow. quite an emotional one. It's rhyme. I, I don't. I don't think I've rhyme. Played. Yeah. Yeah. It's, hmm. I, I seem to like a lot of indie games for some reason. So hmm. rhyme is from Spain. Okay. Uh, after that, I played uh, Celeste. That's from Canada. Uh, you probably it's, heard of yeah Celeste. Well, it's it's free on Xbox uh, Live this now, yeah, uh, on Xbox Gold this month. So get all, it. all you Xbox nerds, get it. <laughs> get it. Did you get it? Uh, I haven't, but I will download it though. But you, Just, you'll have to. It's in my library. Yeah. Because like you have. Very tough game, like uh, like you wouldn't believe. It makes you swear at every screen. Okay. Yeah. Celeste is like that. But it kind of like tricked me into buying it because I thought, oh, those like graphics are nice. It seems to be a nice story. Uh, I like the feel of it. So I, I, I buy it and I try it and I go, wait, that game is super tough. <laughs> and it's like they actually tricked me into into playing some clone of Super Meat Boy. So, but you know, I played the game, I completed it, and it's such a it, the re, it's such it's so rewarding. I mean, it was such a great experience to play that. Yeah. There was that, then I played, uh, I forgot which ones, like, um, like the most recent one I played was uh, Gris, that's also from Spain, and it, you just have that really nice, like, watermark feel of visuals, right. and uh, a very nice story as well, and uh, the music is, 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 is candy to the ear, it's just, it's such a beautiful game, just a couple of hours of gameplay, two or three tops, but... Yeah. So well done. But yeah. anyway, I guess, you know, that's, that fits the kind of person I am, I suppose. Well, well, well that's pretty cool because uh, games like Celeste and, and Grease to some extent reminds me a bit of um, Mega Man in a way, the old school Mega Man or Rockman games, mm -hmm. and uh, how those were just insanely difficult to play. Uh, I remember that my brother and I would just spend hours trying to beat the old school Mega Man games because they had a lot of jump on this block before it disappears and then jump to the next one type of puzzles, right? And uh, I I would literally be trying, almost pulling my hair out out of frustration on some of those. But once you get <laughs> once you get past that that section of the of the level, you just feel like oh fuck yeah, I've 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 done it, you know. So. It's just, just yeah. feels so good, you know. You've done yeah. something, right? Right. <laughs> yeah. No, I I remember. Um, I the very first going back to Zelda. Uh, the very first one I played was A Link to the Past on SNES, and I I loved that game. I I loved it, and 
then the first 3D one was Ocarina of Time, I believe. And mm-hmm. I, when the Nintendo 64 came out, I actually didn't buy one until much later, but um, all the games on there just look so much fun, like Mario 64, Ocarina of Time. They just seem so open, like you could just explore everything. And you're, you're right, that, that sort yeah. of feeling, just the freedom that it gave you, because most games up to that point were just kind of follow the line yeah especially like jrpgs i played a lot of those and while there was some exploration in there it just felt like you were just shoehorned the entire way through you know you have a lot of invisible walls and everything like final fantasy 15 i i I didn't enjoy it that much it was all like boxed in and it's just like yeah i gave up on it i think that it wasn't the first final fantasy i gave up on i think it was uh, 13 because it just seems so streamlined and, and boxed in so yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah, but but yeah. So you you actually stream games on your channel, correct? Uh, these days, like I I used to do it regularly up to uh, 2017. So, uh, but these days it's quite irregular. Sometimes I just feel like it, and I'll just do it. Maybe I'll do it tomorrow. Actually, like I'm I'm off tomorrow. Like it's a long weekend, right? So right. Maybe I'll do it, but. Uh, I just go with the feel of it. There was a time when, like, like I, I really wanted to try to make it grow, make the channel grow and see what happens, but it's just too much work. There is a lot of work to it. I mean, like, it, like I'm not getting paid for this. I need to get a real job, you know? Yeah. So, uh, like, it, it's just like, like, after I tried, I'm like, you know what? Like, it's, it's much, much better when I just do it, like usual just for fun you know right uh and i go through everything i do like uh like online like i mean i've been doing videos for 20 years i mean i just have 200 subscribers on my channel but i don't care like it's just for fun that i do this you know i just make them when i please that's it i don't have to satisfy like a schedule or like hungry viewers to view my stuff i just i just do it yeah you just do it for fun and to to be honest i think that's the best way to grow a channel is to just have fun with it and see where it goes from there you know because if you try and force it it almost feels a bit fake you know that that's that's the feeling i got when i was trying to grow my channel as well was I just yeah be, kind of fake because at some point like you're no longer doing that for yourself you're yeah. doing that for others okay like you're trying to get money from it or whatever you start putting ads or like promos and start doing those like little like contests or I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I'm not like like. Uh, if you ever watch my videos, maybe like the first thing you'll notice is like none of my videos ever said like, "Hey, don't forget to like and subscribe and hit that <laughs> notification bell to be part of a squad." Yeah, yeah. You, you never you never named your audience like Reminites or whatever the you know. <laughs> Everybody's saying no- yeah. notification squad now. I'm not sure why, but yeah, it's it's. I think we're we're a generation past that, so we're. Yeah, yeah, just like, you know, like, that's that's what it is. Like, it's funny in a way because, like, like there's actually, like, a one channel that comes to mind, like, I thought it was a little bit annoying, so I just stopped watching. I just unsubscribe. And I'm like, it doesn't matter if I subscribe or not because Google will just say, hey, how about you watch this? I just, I'm subscribed from this channel two months ago. Like, what, anyway. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I find the, uh, the recent algorithms that YouTube and Google itself finds to to show you new things 
sometimes it's great. Like well, I've actually found some really nice music or uh, other channels to subscribe to from it, but for the most part, it's like, yeah, you're still not getting this quite right, you know? <laughs> no. no, I was just yeah. like, yeah, nothing. <laughs> it, but at, at the same time, it's kind of a relief that it doesn't get it quite right because it's still not sophisticated enough to be... I mean, it's still kind of creepy when you think about it, but, you know, it's yeah. it, it hasn't reached a threshold to where it's... You, you, you really think they're they're watching you, you know? There's, there's a lot of... But the, especially we were talking earlier before the podcast started about the uh, Google Home and, and Alexa and, you know, things like that. Uh, a lot of people think that the microphones are always on and listening to you and, you know, and, and whatnot. And uh, seems seems a bit conspiracy theory-ish, but, uh, you know, who knows how much it's actually recording, you know? You, you, you don't know. Because when it comes out with an ad that's suited just for something that you like, you're, you're wondering, how much of that is just tracking what I follow or is it, you know, how, how much do they actually get, what, how much data do they actually get from you, you know? And you know, that, that kind of like <clears throat> makes me think about my own career actually, because as you probably already know, I'm a web developer, so right. I, that's, but I've been doing that for like 20 years. So I've seen quite a lot, you know, when it started it was just really like, uh, it was innocent, you know, you didn't really have like those like ad networks and everything. I mean, that was like a recent thing with like, uh, what was it called? Uh, the InfoSeek search engine, yeah. for example. Like they started doing ads, you know, that sort of thing. It was like very new. Uh, cookies were new as well. It was not something, it was not even something implemented in browsers, you know. So when you think about this like back 20 years ago and now today we have all like those like privacy issues and like, it's like, wow, what happened? Like, <laughs> yeah. And it, it, it's, it's also like funny in a way that, like when I started using the web, like I used to write like a, a log, you know, like there was no word for it back then. There was no blog. Blog is from weblog, right? Yeah. And like nobody came up with that term yet. So I was just calling it like a diary or a log, whatever. Yeah. And um, I would just put out like in public. Oh, my dad's school sucked, you know, that sort of thing. And it's funny because in that time, like, there was so few people access, like, accessing the internet that nobody, even if you told somebody, they would not care. Right. right. They didn't even understand what you were talking about. Um, but today is like the opposite. Now I'm like, well, like, now, like, for example, on Facebook, uh, I just write stuff that's just like, kind of like jokes or like anecdotes you know that sort of thing nothing much about my life anymore because like I'm like well sure there's a privacy issue but also like why would everybody need to know anyway so so while I'm thinking at the same time like the, the, the table kind of flipped because like now you have all those people who just like post everything about their life online yeah. and I'm just thinking like have you ever thought like why yeah. You post this, like, who's interested in that? Like, even if they are, like, for what reason, you know? Um, well, that's why I think, you know, people have come up with some theories that, though, you know, uh, social media, especially to people who grew up with social media, you know, we're, we're old enough to where we remember a time before it. Mm -hmm. So um, when it came about, we thought, oh, this is kind of cool or kind of neat, you know? But those, yeah. but kids who've grown up with it and are now, 
and during adulthood, it's almost created a sort of narcissistic quality to a lot of people to where they they think that you know they base their self-worth on how many likes they get on yeah on instagram or, or facebook or something and it's and to me even i mean yeah i've sometimes put up something that i thought you know i thought oh i thought i would get more likes than that you know and i catch myself thinking why do i care about how many people liked it you know but for some people that's their whole life you know they they just that they, they they have you know, um, there's stories of younger kids, you know, committing suicide because they were bullied on social media or they didn't get enough likes that they thought they would. You know, I thought, how? what is going through the, the minds of these people that they they obsess over it, you know? And it's... Uh, it, it's too bad because, like, me and you, like, we're old enough to understand, like, we don't need this. Yeah. But the younger people don't. You know, like, I mean, we've, we've both went through high school and everything. We both know how it was like. Like, you had to be popular or else you'll get, kind of get shit on, you know, that yeah. sort of thing. Yeah. And, and you always have, like, the, the, the circle in school where, like, oh, they get everything, but, like, fuck everybody else, you know, that sort of thing. And that's the way it is online as well. And they kind of, like, it, that really caters to people of that age. You look at TikTok, for example, it's like, what the hell is this? Yeah, I, I, I still, <laughs> I still don't really even know what TikTok is. I mean, I kind of do. Is, is it sort of like um, a par- It reminds me a bit of Periscope. Uh, I've never watched anything on TikTok. It's but not from, from like the Periscope ads, is. Yeah. yeah, Periscope was at least like a just like a live thing, a bit like Facebook right. Live, for example, was the same thing. Right. But um, no, like TikTok, from what I understand, is people like. It, it used, I think it used to be called Musical.ly. I think it's the same service or was bought or something. I, I forgot. But anyway, so people like sign up and they can choose to either download a track, a music track that's already already available in the app, or uh, just get any video they can think of and get and just use the audio. And to that audio, to just like try to mimic it, try to sing along or like try to do some faces or whatever. And sometimes, like, it's really cringy what they do. Yeah, it sounds retarded yeah. to me. <laughs> <laughs> you have those compilations online, yeah. like TikTok cringe. And I watched this, and I'm like, I'm like, why am I watching this? I hate this so much. Yeah. Like, I don't get it. Like, <laughs> well, there there was one s- service that I thought I thought was really kind of cool, and I'm kind of sad that it went away. Was uh, Vine? I thought it was real creative what people were coming up with in a six second video, you know? I liked Vine. Yeah, Vine. Good. Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, uh, I think uh, the comedian Will Sasso had some, uh, he actually had some really creative Vines where it was just a series of him randomly like puking up lemons, I think, you know, in, in, in different situations. <laughs> I didn't see that. Yeah. If you got, they're on YouTube now. You can definitely find yeah. them, but just like Will Sasso lemon vines and and there's a whole you i think you can find every single one and they're there's they're pretty hilarious you know oh my god but i'll be binge watching that tonight yeah yeah <laughs> yeah well it, it's actually kind of cool getting your insight about the current um state of the web since you've had so many years of experience doing web development so um is that how you were able to get your visas into japan 
uh, originally was through IT. Yeah, uh, yeah, well, that's what it is. Like, uh, <clears throat> funny enough, like, like the the job that I do, IT. Like, I never really liked it because I always wanted to be like actor or writer, more like the, the on the creative side, right? Right. But growing up in New Brunswick, good luck with this. You know, like, <laughs> like. I can't even afford going to go at some like expensive university or anything like that. It's too far away, you know. It's too far away. I don't know what it is like. So, I kind of got stuck with uh, the web stuff because remember back in the early '90s, '80s, '90s, like that was starting to take off, right? The computers and all that, Windows '95 and blah blah blah, you know. Yeah. So everybody wanted to work in IT at some point, and then you had those people like who were like total like. They were just like shitheads. They didn't know how to like even turn on a computer, but they wanted to work in IT anyway because they just thought they would make tons of money. Uh, but I, I didn't. Like I, I, I kind of knew my way with that, and I just kind of kept going with this. And yeah, so even though it was not something I wanted to do, it did allow me to you know know how to publish my stuff online and to get revenue. As well as a visa to come in Japan, so right. that worked, I guess. Although the one thing I always found funny is that if you come as a web developer in Japan, you have to get an engineer visa. They consider you to be an, a software engineer, and you have to be an engineer visa. But funny enough, in Canada, for me, it would be illegal to call myself an engineer there. Illegal, like. Like, yeah, like a criminal offense if you were to do so. Uh, I'm not sure if it's criminal oh, offense, just... but it's, it's 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 certainly illegal. Yeah, because the the order of uh, engineers in Canada, I forgot the the name of the of the organization, but uh, they're the ones who decide what an engineer is, and an engineer in Canada is technically somebody who's like a like a civil engineer or like a like mechanical engineer that sort of thing. Right. So software does not is like it's not something tangible. So for them, it's not engineering. I see. Hmm. Hmm. So if funny enough, I cannot call myself an engineer in Canada, but in Japan, it's perfectly fine, and I need to call myself that way to get a visa. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So now you've been in Japan going on. This will be your tenth year now. So yes, tenth so, year this year. Yeah. So have you thought about doing the permanent residency, or are you content with? just extending every couple of years to I mean do, do you plan on staying forever or, or I, I plan on staying like I don't really have any plans to go anywhere else yeah. uh, if I didn't like uh, last year I had some problems getting a visa I think it was more like uh, from what I understand the immigration has a lot of part-timers and they're kind of iffy about their job they don't really know how to do their thing and like right um, so yeah, like I, I did apply for a permanent residency last year, and it took them almost nine months to tell me, "Hey, by the way, you're not getting it." <laughs> they rejected really? my application. Yeah. Really, really. Okay. Actually, when I got my visa last month, I got it on. Well, I got the postcard to go pick it up on Friday, Friday yeah. evening. Yeah. I came back from work, and Saturday morning, I actually got a registered letter. So the guy from the post office actually had to ring my doorbell, the mailman, I had to answer and sign to get that letter from the from immigration just to be told that I'm not getting permanent residency. Uh, so I have to go back there 
anytime I want this month or next month maybe uh, to know why I didn't get it. Yeah. Uh, they will not tell you that by phone. You have to go there in person. In person, right? Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. Yeah, so, I, of course, I do want to get permanent residency. It's not always easy. Uh, I mean, if, if you have a stable life with a stable job and a stable marriage, for example, that's, that's got to be super easy for you. Right. But for somebody working in IT who's single, I went through a divorce last year, a second divorce, actually, and I also started a new job last year, which, like, apparently, I'm, like, we're not sure, like, we may be acquired soon, so we're not sure if we're going to get bought out or anything. Yeah, are we still going to have a job or not, so that's up to them. I see. Yeah. Um, so like, you know, that's life in IT. I mean, it's not the first, like it's a startup. So it's not the first time I had to deal with a startup. Right. Um, so, you know, for somebody like me, like, of course it's not going to be that easy to get a permanent residency. I think, yeah. Yeah. Uh, on top of that, I worked for like three years as a freelancer. And during that time, I, I guess like immigration thought, Oh, he's not paying enough taxes. So no. That's that's yeah. life as an IT worker and as a foreigner in Japan. That's what you get. Yeah, I mean that's it's actually quite enlightening because I've I've been um, considering applying for the uh, permanent residency this year. Yeah. Um, so I, actually, I have to renew my visa, start the process of renewing my current visa now. Uh, after um, yeah, because yeah, it's up in a few months. But I noticed when I joined my current job which uh, started off as a it's a startup you know uh, about three four years ago um, my they started they stopped giving me three-year visas and started giving me only one-year visas and I thought oh well that's weird how, how can I go back what what's the reason behind that because be, before they were giving me three-year visas from the get-go and now they've gone back to one and the only thing I could think of was when I joined the the new company with a small number of employees at the time it was just two employees now we've grown quite a bit since then but um you know that that's my only thinking is they they saw that as a bit more short term in their eyes i guess i don't know but they've just continued to give me one-year visas since then yeah i would definitely say the size of the company mattered and also like how much revenue they pay how much uh, taxes they pay uh and of course, if you're a bigger company, you pay more taxes. So right. there's that. Uh, I would recommend, like, if you are considering permanent residency, you've been in Japan for like I think longer than me. You've been here for like ten years, fifteen. Con- consecutively, it's been about eight years. But I I did go back to the states for about a year. Uh, but from the moment I set foot in Japan, it, yeah, it's been ten years or more. So okay, well that. That I'm not sure. Usually, like, you have to be in a stable marriage for five years or been in Japan for, like, some people are very to answer on that. Either eight, nine, or ten years. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, I would say, like, when you go up, like, while you prepare your visa application, uh, prepare your application for the permanent residency. Because the, the application for permanent residency is much easier. You don't have to get that much papers. Okay. But... Uh, like as they process the application, that's when they will ask you for more documentation. Right. Okay. Right. So while you apply for the permanent residency, 
uh, you cannot use that and say, okay, I've applied, so now I can just wait in Japan and see what happens. No, you still have to renew your visa. Right, right. Uh, so that that has to be done in parallel. So, uh, so you know, I, that's what I did. I did I did that at the same time. Well, not at the same time. Like I applied for the permanent residency in April. Yeah. Um, and later when my spouse visa expired in the in no, very early November, November 2nd, I think it was. Um, a week before that, I went to apply to a, for a change of status of residence because I had to change from spouse to engineer. So I went there. They processed the whole thing. It was, I don't know what happened. It, just like, it was a lot of back and forth this time for some reason. But uh, finally, I got my three years visa. And then, like I said earlier, like the day later, I just, I just got a letter saying, oh, you you got the visa, but you don't get permanent residency. So, so they sent that in the same, uh, the same document, the the postcard, right, or the letter? No, not not the same time. I got the postcard on Friday. Okay. But on Saturday they actually sent it registered. So oh, like the, you have you have to sign to get it. Oh, that's right. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Okay. And you probably maybe you saw it before, but immigration always has that like letter that, that envelope that says like immigration office at the bottom. So they yeah. use that that envelope to send that to you. Okay. Okay. Yep. Yeah. It seems, uh, just seems like a kind of a nightmare, um, dealing with that. How, how is, I, I can't imagine the immigration office in, in Tokyo. Is that where you have to go or is in Chiba, right? You, you live in Chiba? Well, I could go in Chiba, I think as well. Uh, it may be less busy. I'm not sure. I never tried, but, um, yeah, well, I think it's a little bit hell everywhere, but, uh, when I used to live in Saitama, I used to go to the one in Saitama. Right. It's technically part of the Tokyo one, but they have a branch in Saitama. Yeah, yeah, that's how uh, Utsunomiya's is. It's it's Tokyo's immigration bureau, but it's the Utsunomiya branch. So right there you go. So yeah. I went there, and it was not busy at all. So I wish it was like that in Tokyo, but maybe I'll try Chiba for once. Uh, maybe in, well, in three years now that I have my visa. Right. Um. So yeah, I mean. The wait is long, yes, and blah, blah, blah. So, like, you kind of make it like a day outing, you know. You lose a day of work, and so you might as well just enjoy it. Um, uh, what was particularly painful this time was last month, there was a lot of back and forth. Uh, the first time I applied for my visa in late October, so two weeks after I got an envelope, I thought, of course, you freak out because you like the visa expired at that point. Okay, you're still allowed to stay in the country for up to two months before you get a decision. Okay, but you get the envelope, and I'm like, oh shit, I'm getting deported. You know, so, yeah. <laughs> but that's, that, not, that, that's that's not what it was. So I open it and I read it. And I go like, oh, they're they're asking for a translation of my uh, college certificate. I thought, okay, well, that I can't understand because it was actually in French. But I also thought, well, it didn't ask for one last time. That's kind of weird. Right. So anyway, so I hired someone to translate it, make it official with a stamp and everything, because Japanese, they love their stamps. My God. Yes, they do. Stamps taxes. <laughs> so, yeah. So I, I got that done, sent it to them, and like a week later, I get a phone call from them. Some guy who kind of sounded like, he was kind of in a hurry to finish his work and go home or something. I don't know what it was, but he was just saying like, "Oh, uh, 
So what was your first job? And like, well, I wrote it on the resume I gave you, but I did this back in 1998 and blah, blah, blah. And that sort of thing. So I, I tried to explain to him what was actually written in my papers because that's another thing maybe you want to know, but uh, since I don't have a degree, I just have a one-year certificate, I have to prove that I have at least 10 years of experience in, in, uh, in IT. But I have 20, so it, it's not that bad. So Because yeah, I, yeah. I mean, I've done it before, right? So I already had like letters from past employers and everything, both in Japan and Canada. But the stuff that I get from Canada is all in English, of course. So last time I gave that to them, to immigration, that was back in 2009 or 10. Right. And they had no problem. Within 10 days, I got my visa. But this time, the guy was like all like confused or like kind of like in a hurry. And I was like, well, how about you just send us translations for all of the stuff written in English? Jeez, I have like 13 letters in there. Right. So, so, so wait, I, they, they were asking for translations into Japanese for yeah. all of it? Weird. I've, I've never yeah. heard of them asking for something well, like that before. That, yeah. that, that's, that, that, right, right? Like, so I first I asked him, well, okay, first of all, why last time nobody asked for translations? And second, why did you guys ask for those translations the first time you sent a letter last week? And he's like, well, usually we ask for translations. And like, he didn't really provide an answer to what I asked. So I said, fine. So, okay, I went to immigration in person the next day. And I talked to a consultation first. I said, well, okay. I explained the whole thing. And the lady was like, you know, a Japanese person doesn't really give you often that what the fuck look. But that day I got three of them. So, <laughs> so the first time, lady, lady was like, "So we asked you translations from like for to Japanese from English." Yeah, English. It's <laughs> <laughs> like what the? <laughs> okay, so I, she makes me go upstairs. I go upstairs to some other section. I must, I, I must get a like a like a an achievement like on, on an Xbox or something for this because I finally officially visited all the sections in immigration. <laughs> like, I've got them all. Yeah. So I went there and it was that cute lady at behind the counter and I explained the whole thing again, and she goes, "Well, well, usually we ask for trans like you like technically like legally speaking you should be providing translations." I understand that. But at the same time, they never asked for any translations before. Right. And all of their forms, and even the letter I got like a few weeks ago saying that I didn't get permanent residency, it's all bilingual, Japanese-English. Right. And I said, well, like, you know, I, I tell her that, and I say, well, you know, I'm here in person now to, to know, like, is there anything else I need to provide? Because this is the second time that I'm asked to provide documents. And usually, just for a visa, I don't get that much trouble. Right. And she goes, well, just give me a minute. So she goes at the back, and she comes back to the counter, and she says, okay, you don't have to provide anything. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah, so that, that's kind of, yeah, you're getting mixed signals. To me, that just screams the epitome of Japanese bureaucracy and red tape. You know, I mean, like you said, they love their stamps and, and, and faxes here, but just every, every government office you have to visit 
it's a, it's an ordeal of some sort uh, I've found I mean just to renew my driver's license I have to take a whole day off just just sit at the uh, the driving center for eight hours just to renew my wow. license. yeah yeah I mean because they make you take a even if you've had a perfect record driving record they make you sit in a class a safety class and even the the guy running the class says he doesn't like being there but he has to do it because even he has to take the class at some point and you know <laughs> yeah and I'm just like does if no one likes doing this and there's no real point to it why is there anyone here you know because I can understand if you've had a wreck or um, you've had you know multiple you know um, offenses where you would warrant a safety class to take but it, it doesn't make sense if if you've had a spotless record you know but that's just that's that's required just to renew the driver's license thankfully that's only every three to five years i believe so that is yeah. strange mm, mm. and even the guy saying i don't like this but i also have to do it at some point so yeah i mean that that, that that's exactly what he told us because everyone is there just like like zombied out you know and then he's he's a former policeman or a current policeman and he's like yeah. I know no one wants to be here I don't want to be here I have to take as well at some point so that means you do as well so just sit back relax enjoy this video from 30 years ago and then we'll go about our day <laughs> that's pretty much that, how it that, was yeah so I want to see that video it must be like all like from bubble era so like everybody like, like the, all like big wax in their hair and like the hairstyles are, are hilarious <laughs> man the hairstyles are hilarious you know and and part of me thought Japan is almost just like at least the US that any safety video you watch at any job or, or government office it's always from you know years ago itself so it's uh, yeah they just commissioned that at some point and said okay we, we've done that one thing we're done forever right yeah they will so. not change it until like the civilization crumbles you know they will not do anything about it I think Japan's stance on anything is as long as it's been going well for us so far there's no need to update anything unless we're absolutely forced to do it at the very last minute you know no. Okay. I mean, yeah. Have, hey, Kevin's in the chat now. Kevin has arrived. He he has arrived. I was getting lonely. Yeah, he, he <laughs> says I've I've never had that happen with my driver's license. The only time I ever had to do that was when I have a traffic violation to watch Super Video for two hours. Yeah. Um. Do you have a I I think so the license and colors here when you get it the first one it's green. And then the second one is blue, which I have. And then the next one is gold, if you don't have any um, tickets or or anything. And I think once you hit gold, they it's every you don't have to take any more classes or um, or anything. Or if you do, it's it's really short. But uh, I was in the letter I received. That's um, that's what they said is first first time renewal two hour class. Second time is an hour, and then the third time is maybe fifteen minutes or so. Wow. Yeah, uh, it could just be Tochigi's um, driving um, center. I don't know, but I, I know just to get the license was an ordeal in itself that took months because of red tape and bureaucracy. So, you know what I want to do now? Like I've started riding a bicycle, and I say started because I, I literally just started doing that last year. Like before that, I, ne 
like I rode maybe a bicycle three or four times in Japan before, and that was like back in Osaka. Right. So, and like you have all those like uh, bike sharing things going on these days, like the the rental bicycles. Yeah, yeah, I've seen those. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you probably have some in Sonoma uh, as well. Um, so yeah, I've been I've been doing that now, and often like uh, I mean at the beginning like you know you kind of like I'm not used to it, so like kind of scared and like I don't know what to go. Will I hit anybody? What if I hit an old person and <laughs> kill that old woman just within five seconds? What do I do? You know, yeah. and and uh, at some point like you're like, oh like should I ride on the sidewalk or not? Okay, I'll follow the cars. I'm like, oh shit, it's a highway now. What do I do? You know. Um, luckily, I've never been on a highway that I was like, you know, those paid highways where like no pedestrians or bicycles are, are allowed. That right. never happened. But uh, having to follow the car sometimes, like you have to uh, follow their 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 lanes, right? So if like it's the lane that turns left, but you want to go straight, you have to go between those two lanes. Oh god, yeah, yeah. And that sort of thing, you know. Um. But now I'm kind of used to it, so I'm okay. But now what I, I – since I can do that, and I think like, well, you know, I actually pay attention to stuff around me. So I guess, you know, maybe I should try getting a, a scooter as well because apparently the 50cc scooters uh, to get licenses for that is super easy in Japan. That's what I heard anyway. Well, it was different for me because actually I, I drove a 50cc scooter for a few months before I got my car. And I think maybe it was different for me because I was aiming to get a driver's license to drive a car and, okay. not, and not just the 50cc scooter. But I knew um, I at least needed some sort of license to drive that. And that in itself, the, the scooters are fine. They're um, at least even 50cc scooter it will, if you're just traveling in your local town, it's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, you, if you're going to be doing any highway travel, you know, rent a car or something because yeah, it's, you, you don't you don't want to you don't want to go 30, 40 kilometers an hour on one of those little putt putt scooters on a on a highway. Because uh, even driving in in Utsunomi in the, in the city, having to cross two lanes to get to the um, uh, right hand turn lane was felt like a a suicide mission on my first my first time on the scooter. I thought, you know, um, am I going to be hit by somebody you know but um traveling i think it was maybe 20 kilometers my first ride on that 50 cc scooter and making it home unscathed you're right it's like you, you expect a little notification for an achievement you know you you survived your your first attempt right you did but, it yeah hey but <laughs> a- after that it just it's it's very free it's very freeing to be able to travel at a higher speed and you can it just opens up the country so much so because you don't have to rely on either public transportation or or someone else to drive you around you know it just it's more freeing to be able to drive where you want to go um so of course it's japan if you want to travel anywhere fast enough you have to pay a fee so there's toll roads everywhere in the country as well of course yeah actually you know it's funny like i i got a credit card and with that, they sent me an ETC card, and I'm like, ETC card is for like cars, right? Like the prepaid, like they can go on on told, like a pay on um on paid highways and stuff. And I'm like, I'm I'm not gonna use this. <laughs> I don't know why I got one, but um, but yeah, like, like at some point, like I I do love the public transportation here, 
uh, that's something that when I, I actually visited Canada last year and I miss the public transportation so much um, because in New Brunswick, forget it, you just have cars, okay? Right. A bit like the rest of North America for that matter. Um, I missed the trains and I also regretted never learning how to drive. I never learned how to drive, so of course I couldn't get a rental or anything. Uh, so yeah, maybe someday, maybe someday I'll finally learn, I hope. Yeah, um, I, actually, they have uh, numerous driving schools, at least um, in, in Utonomia they do. And I, yeah. I, I was told an easy way to, to fast track your, your getting your license is to go to one of these schools and give the receipt to the driving center to show, look, I've, I've taken a driving test. Didn't do me any good. I still, uh, I still had to take my test at least seven times before... I was able to get my license, and um, the day that I received it, there was a guy working there that that or no he 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 used to work at the driving center, but now he he helped a company that needs truck drivers or whatever um, help uh-huh. help the foreign employees get licenses a quick way. He he'd seen me before, and I was waiting there, and even before I took the driving test that day. Uh, he told me, "You're back again. Congratulations today." And I said, "What? What do you mean?" He goes, uh, "Congratulations." And sure enough, I passed that day. And I thought, <laughs> "It's all a scam, man. It's it's all a scam just to get as much money as they can from from people, you know. At least in Tochigi. Tochigi is one of the harder ones. Uh, here in Tokyo, uh, you can get it um, for maybe once or second try." For a Canadian, you don't you don't even have to do any of that. You can just get your license uh, translated uh, from a one if you go that route, and you you don't need to take any driving tests over here. Mm, cool, so, I didn't yeah, know that. Yeah, so should have got it in Canada then. Well, yeah. So I mean, that that's your that's your if you if you ever want to start driving in Japan, I would say get it done in Canada and then come into Japan and get it translated because. The way the Japanese get their license, you have to pay a lot of money and to go through so many different tests, and it's just much easier if you do it in your home country and translate it back. You know, so. one thing I heard, like I know one guy, he was not in, in Tokyo, was not an easy part, but what he did, he's an American. What he did, uh, you know how like the train conductors here, like every time like the train stops and just like they point at things. Okay, I've done this, I've done that. That light is green. That light is red. Okay, I'm done. You know, like he, he's saying everything out loud and he's pointing everything, right? Right. So uh, that – I forgot the name of that uh, that method or system, but it was developed by a Japanese man who was a conductor uh, like many decades ago. Um, and I, uh, what was it? Like I think he went deaf at some point mm. so he started doing that for like a visual and uh, well I guess he still had internal hearing so all those reminders to be sure he was doing his job like he had like you know had that indicator to his brain like okay I've done this I saw that I can do it so what my friend did when he did the, the uh, driving exam in Japan like I'm not sure exactly how it was happening there, but 
you have like you have to you have you have to stop at a certain place and you have to do this and that whatever. So anything that had to be done, it was he would point and say it out loud. Okay. So like for example, at a stop, you have to wait three seconds. It would say one, two, three, and he goes. He said everything out loud. Even the guy running the tests told him like you don't have to do this. He did it anyway. He did it anyway, and he got the test on his first run. He got the uh, he got the certificate on the first run. Yeah, he passed right away. Yeah, yeah, I've um, I've I've seen that. Uh, there was, I was riding. One one of the things for the driving test, at least, is you have to ride with somebody else who's doing their driving test, mm-hmm. and um, which I think is is normal in in many countries. But the guy who was who I was riding with was. Um, this guy was happened to be from China. I only know because he told me. But he almost seemed like he had practiced this on his own so many times that it was just muscle memory. So he would every time he would signal, he would like everything was just super snappy, quick, and just almost robotic in the way he was moving. And uh, I'm not sure if it's or not, but it was definitely odd seeing someone just mechanically go through the motions of what they were expected to do like he really studied this and just just went through all the the motions and i just thought i bet you he's probably going to pass this time you know just it was just a hunch because judging because the 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 japanese instructor was sitting back just marking stuff in his book and he was just had this look on his face like oh you know (laughs) so uh yeah it's it's an ordeal and you know once it was done i was just like thank fuck i don't have to ever go through that again most likely hey, seven, seven times a charm right <laughs> yeah yeah and because at least uh in tochigi they you on how many you have to get a certain number of points okay and you pass right so always your first time from what i've been told always your first time if you get any points you'll get 20 points i think you need 75 to pass and i i think i got 20 or 30 I thought, okay, but I still have to take it again. The second time, I got a few more. And then the third time, at the very end, I was uh, I was, I was, was pulling into the lane. And at the very last minute, the instructor says, oh, sorry, no, no, go over to this way. And so, because he was, the way he said it, just almost in a panic, like, like he forgot something. I didn't jerk the wheel, but I, I did it quicker. Than you than someone normally would, and I got I got a zero score all the way back down to zero because he said I I was uh, I panicked and almost wrecked the car or something. I'm like, really? Uh, okay, so I, I sounds like a money game to me. I don't know, I, but I, I almost gave up at that point. I said, no, fuck them. I'm I'm gonna prove prove to them that I I'm not a uh, a shitty driver. And they knew they knew I was a good driver because. Normally, when you when you first get a, a license in Japan, they you have on your car you have to put like this green and yellow beginner's magnet on your car, yeah. and they were going to give it to me for free. And the guy at the window told me he goes, ah, because you've been driving in in the states for more than you know 15 years at this point, you don't need one of these for your car. And I said then, and just in my head, I was just thinking, then why the fuck did I have to take seven tests if you? You know, if you knew, <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, after the first or second try, you 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 see what kind of driver I actually am. You know, so 
but That's and, terrible. and and all the rules that they that they tell you uh, to follow at the school, just by experience, at least in Utsunomiya, no one uh, no one really follows that. I mean, people follow the basic don't kill people sort of uh, rules for the most part, but all the smaller little rules about how you need to stop once and then then pull up a little bit more and stop again and then pull up a third time and look again that's no one does that so it's 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 kind of bullshit so <laughs> but in order to pass the test you have to follow all those rules but well I'll keep that in mind if I pass it <laughs> yeah like I said you're you're, a, you're Canadian so you wouldn't even really have to go through any of that so um, yeah so you said uh, Canada wasn't you, you kind of didn't really f feel like you, you belong in Canada anymore. Is that right? That, that was kind of motivating well, I mean, for you to move? Like belonging. We all want to belong at some point. But, um, yeah, I grew up in, uh, like, well, I already said New Brunswick. And, okay, when I grew up, you, you, you basically just have a bunch of, like, rednecks, but, like, the French version of them. Okay. Wow, French rednecks. So, yeah. like, uh, <laughs> so the cool rouge. <laughs> so, uh, so I mean, like, really, where I grew up, like everybody was listening to country. They all wanted to like build like some stupid cars and stuff like that, you know. And a lot of people like nature there. They love, they, like, especially my family. They they all love camping. I fucking hate it. <laughs> I hate it with a passion. Okay, and. That, so that sort of thing. So, it, like, it was that. Also, I, I got bullied a lot in school uh, because I was always thinking different. I guess I was also aligned with my, like, way of doing things with uh, diversity, for example. So that sort of thing. Um, so I guess with all this, at some point I'm like, well, not that I hate Canada, but I'm, at the same time, like, it's not like I'm missing out a lot if I go elsewhere. Right. No. That was the main thing. So it's just like, I was before moving to Japan. I was in Ottawa, and Ottawa was was awkward for me because with my history back in New Brunswick, like I, I grew up that per I, I grew up becoming that person who was always I w was always on, on his own, you know, always by myself. And because of that, I didn't really know how to deal with people. Um, it sounds kind of weird to say it that way, but I know what you mean. Yeah. I was just like always awkward or like I was trying really hard to fit in or to be like to at least have a conversation so sometimes I would make like really but really awkward jokes or like that sort of thing yeah yeah so it, it took me years to finally like like not only like 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 meet people and like and to a point where I'm like okay I'm okay with myself I'm okay like meeting with people and those people are okay with me it took me so much time for that. I, I, it's not until I came to Japan actually that, that happened. So in Ottawa, I remember like I was super awkward. Like people didn't want to see me at all. I had very few friends. Uh, so that sort of thing. Uh, I actually started meeting Japanese people, and you would think that having an interest in Japan and like learning Japanese would help. Nope. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the Japanese who, who met me in Canada like. They did not like me for the most part. You know, I have a couple of friends, yes, but a lot of them like were like, oh, like they were they were like talking in my back. I don't know what they were saying. Uh, 
maybe some of them said I had yellow fever or something, or maybe they just thought it was like that, you know, typical white guy who likes karate kid or something like that. I don't know uh, what, yeah. like, what they were saying. I don't know what, but they did not like me at all. So, and I'm like, okay, well, whatever. So I came here and, you know, with all that being said, like, obviously I'm not missing much from Canada. So I'm like, well, fuck, I might as well try somewhere else. So I came here and, like, of course, at the beginning was, like, still, like, oh, shit. Like, not only am I awkward, now I have to deal with that strange culture and language that I basically don't know very much about. I know some stuff, but not much. Right. And, you know, it's it's weird to say that. I moved here when I was, what, like, I was 27, I guess. Um and it's not only it's not until I moved here that I finally became an adult. It yeah. sounds so stupid, but no, no, yeah, I I completely relate to that. I understand. Yeah, yeah because like I, I finally had to deal with stuff on my own. I didn't have my family. My my mom has like really strong like uh, uh, like like border issues, like uh, boundary issues. I mean, sorry. <laughs> yeah, she, border issue. Is she like Trump? Issues, yeah, yeah. <laughs> she's like Trump. She's making a wall everywhere she goes. Yeah. Uh, uh, no, like she was like kind of mother was like was like you know she was putting the mother back its mother. Okay, she was like it was see. like yes, she loves me, I love her, but at the same time, like you have to give me some space. But she like was hel- helicopter mom sort of thing, right? Yeah, almost. Yeah. So yeah. When I moved to Japan, like, uh, actually, before I moved, she was saying, oh, you know what? I'm planning to go see you, like, in about, like, four months after you move. I'm like, nope. What do you mean, no? No, you're just not coming. Wow. wow. <laughs> like, for, like, a year or two, I didn't ge- I didn't even give her my address, nothing. Because mm. I'm like, you know what? I'm going to go to that country. Like, I know some stuff. And, like, I know I'll, I'll get lost at some point, And I'll be awkward maybe sometimes. But at least I'll fucking learn, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And it's not until I finally came here and, you know, you have to deal with shit, man. You do. Like, <laughs> you know, as a foreigner, like, you have, like, I mean, for somebody living here, even for some people living here, it's still kind of hard. Like, I mean, ask any Japanese, like, about pension. They don't know shit about pension here. <laughs> yeah. Nobody really understands it. Um so that sort of thing, you know, like you, you have to go find a job. You have to know like where to go to get those papers done for like your. And when I moved here, was still the Gaikujin uh, Toroku Shomei Show, so the foreigners, card, right? Alien card is what they call Alien. it. Alien. Right? Oh yeah, that's right. Alien registration card. Yeah. So you know you have to do all this. Like you know, I didn't really have. Sure, I had some friends, but often you have to deal with stuff on your own and considering that I've also worked in a call center for like four or five years um, I almost got PTSD from talking on the phone so imagine you get a phone call and you have to speak in a foreign language and I'm like shit (laughs) I don't know what to do with this you know so you kind of panic so but you know I've went through it and I'm glad I did because now like you know, I know how to have my own life, how, how to be an adult. Like, it's weird to say this. But just getting that satisfaction that you're a grown-up man and you can live on your own. And you don't need anybody else's help, like, for the most part. It's, it's awesome, you know. 
yeah, it's uh, that. That's why, for me at least, I've I've credited moving to Japan as one of the best things I've ever done for my personal growth, really. Because um, if I stayed in my small town, hometown in Texas, you know, I yeah, I would still live. You know, I I, I was already living on my own and everything um, before I even moved to Japan, but it was not until as you said not until i came here that i really became an adult and that's um and it's it's really jumping off the deep end in a way if you don't speak any of the language and you just you're learning it as you go and that that's something i did here so everything that was new to me as just being an adult i also had to learn how to do it in a different language so going now when i do go back home it everything almost feels a bit easier because I've I, I feel I've learned it in a foreign language so it's almost um, it's almost easier to, to kind of do it in your native language if that makes any sense well yeah of course yeah. I mean yeah, yeah. I, I totally get that so yeah like uh, and and on top of that when I went back to Canada I went I just visited for a month last year I know two years ago now and you know like that visit made me realize how like I've sort of like outgrown my place in Canada. I'm not sure how to phrase it, but, you know, I moved on and so did my friends and family, you know, like I'm not there yeah. anymore. So uh, everybody has their own family now. They all have kids. They got, all got married. Uh, my my parents got divorced and my father remarried. Um, my sister married twice, you know, that sort of thing. And, and you go there and like people don't really... Like, sure, like, some of my friends, like, they're very good friends of mine, so we, we had an awesome time together. But for the rest, it's like, they don't really care that you came. Like, I mean, yeah. like, especially in Ottawa, where, like, I didn't have, like, that many friends there to start with. Like, I went there and I called people up. Like, I said, hey, you want to hang out or something? It's been, it's been long. It's been, like, eight years in the time I called. And they're just, oh, I'm kind of busy. Like, you know, you don't. Yeah, they, they haven't seen you in, in years, and you're like, hey, I'm back in the country. I spent all this money to fly and come see everyone. Do you want to hang out? Nah. You're just like, okay. Nah, you know, they don't really care that much. And yeah. just like, okay, well, it makes you feel like, not that you should be important because you came from elsewhere, but it's also like, wow, like, like what will it take to finally make you give a shit about whatever friendship I thought we had, you know? Yeah, that's exactly it. You find out people who who really do sort of uh, care about you when you you encounter something like that. Um, I've only had a handful of friends and family even come and visit me in Japan. I mean, I understand it's it, it's expensive to fly over here. Uh, so, but so when they say, "Well, why don't you come back here?" I said, "Well, it costs just as much for me as it does for you, really." You know, so that's uh, that's one thing, but. I really appreciate those who have come over here to visit because it just shows that how much they actually do care about you. Um, to those who say, "Oh yeah, I'm gonna, I'm gonna come visit you. I want to come visit you," but they never follow through yeah. with it. You, you just think they never do it. No, no, they just, they just never follow through. Because uh, I, I like uh, my mom and sister came together. Um, to be honest, it was nice to see them, but I would, I would have also liked that that time with my sister. Right. 
you know, just me and my sister, which I never had, was like, because, like I was saying earlier, boundary issues, right? My mom was always there, you know, always had to watch and whatever. Um, but, uh, like, my father never came. Boy, I wish he did. Like, I would have really loved him for, com- for him to come. He never did that. Yeah. Um, and a lot of my friends, too, like, I mean, you, you know, you probably have that, that really close circle of friends back in the States, and it's like, and you think of them sometimes, and you're like, man, imagine the shit we'd do together if we were here right now in Japan, you know? Like, exactly. We'd, yeah, we'd have sure. a, we'd had a fucking blast, you know? But they never come. They never come. You'll never see them. They, they will never come. Um, and sometimes, like, yes, a bit like you, like, like some who actually came and took the time. Like, I mean, they're on the vacation, so you don't expect, you don't always expect them to make time for you, but they do. Yeah. And beat them is like wow, you really appreciate it. But what hurts the most is like when you see like like I I thought I had some good friends in Ottawa and many of them came, never rang a bell. Really? Never seen it. Yeah, like it's just you you see them like a week later on Facebook. Oh, they were in Japan for like a month. I didn't know. Yeah, and they and, know, like and, and they know yeah. you live in Japan. And they well, didn't, obviously, they didn't, I've been yeah. there for years, and they, they yeah. comment on your stuff too, right? It's not like if they don't know. Right. Yeah. And it's just like that fucking hurts, you know. It it really it really hurts. It's like you you're like wow, you didn't bother to come see me like at all. I mean, not even to come see me. I could have gone to wherever you were, and just hang out, you know. But yeah, I mean, if if I knew people from back home who came all the way to Japan but for example they were in um, Osaka or something somewhere far if I had the you know if I even if it was just on, on a weekend I would try and go and see them because they've they've traveled further than I could you know but if they yeah, don't yeah. even mention anything you're just like well okay whatever <laughs> so yeah that's that's kind of the sad part and and that's what you get when you move here I mean like we're, we're all a little bit like this when we move here we realize that Oh, those things happen, and it changes a lot in your life. And you realize, like you know, like I was saying before, you moved on, and they moved on as well. Yeah. I mean, some people will still think of you. Some people just like they don't really care. Like they just like, oh well, you're gonna, you're out of their life now. That's yeah. basically what it is. Yeah, yeah. And I've seen, I mean, people that I hung out with in university before I came over here. I just really keep in contact with one and he's been my best friend since elementary school so i mean that's it's a given that that they would uh still be around and and he's really the only one that's that's come over here to visit so that's that shows you know the true friend out of that whole circle you know yeah you you've been lucky to have somebody like that it's not everybody who has that uh, in my case like uh well i was saying earlier was often like awkward and bullied in school so i didn't really make any friends until i got I, th- I think high school right um and even like i'm i'm thinking of like like there there's one friend like i met in high school and through like we both went to the same college and stuff so we made friends together you know and and now we had we have that small circle of like uh four people uh no five um so of course, I always hung out with them when I was back in New Brunswick two years ago. and But even there, like, none among them ever came to Japan. They, they didn't even try, you know. That's 
that's kind of sad, you know. Like it's you wish you want to like experience that that life here with them, you know. You want to share that experience, but you don't have the chance to do so. Right. I mean, sure, you can talk about it on Facebook Messenger and send videos or do like a live, like you can live like a video chat, like we do right now. But it's not the same as being in person, you know. Yeah, it's not. It's definitely not the same. It's definitely not no. the same. Yeah. But um, I've, I've, I've gotten to the point now where. I appreciate the people who show appreciation to me. You know, I mean, it's it's a mutual thing, and those who don't, you know, like, okay, uh, there's only so far I can communicate with you, so it doesn't. I don't let it bother me at, at anymore. Is what I'm trying to say. You know, like, I, well, I, 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 yeah, it's like you, you, as you say, you move on. You're just like, all right, well, I guess we know where we stand in that regard. So, well, yeah, yeah. I mean, like. Maybe you went through that too. Like when I moved to Japan, like uh, the first year, the first couple of months was like almost every weekend, like call people back home, that sort of thing, you know. Yeah, yeah. And then, you know, when you move, like you you're just settling in, right? And after a while, well, you know, you you find a job and you finally move in somewhere, you settle a little bit, you know. And but you get busy as you try to settle in. And when that happens, like you sometimes you skip some weekends, sometimes you cannot meet anybody, you know, right away and whatnot. And after a while, you realize, wait, like when I don't call them, they never call me. Yep. So, you know, and so even like to the point where like uh, even I'm actually just uh, the holidays, uh, even my dad didn't bother trying to say like, hey, happy new year. Nothing at all. You know, just like, oh, well, that's the way it is then. I just like stop being the one trying to reach out and say, "Hey, how's it going?" You know, trying to call them and all that, because I realize when I don't do it, they don't they don't care. They don't call me or anything. So yeah. why do I care? So right, I stopped. You know. Yeah, I mean, it's just gotta say, all right, that's it. You know, and the the people who you communicate with, that's those are the people you you know. Just one day you wake up and you see that they've sent you a text or something and or you know and even that is just sort yeah. of like hey at least they're 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 thinking about me you know so that's the people that you make the effort to keep in con that you make the effort to keep in touch with you know yeah exactly so uh and and also like you have that effect where like when you just moved in for the first couple of years actually up like for me it's up until recently we'll say up to eight years like your circle of friends, the circle of people you hang out with, it, it's always changing. It's always exciting. Because you meet so many people that are a little bit like you to just arrive here, and many of them will just leave Japan at some point, you know? Yeah. And that's what happens. Like when you're a long term resident, it changes a lot. I mean, these days, like, I don't even bother meeting people who just arrived in Japan because I know they're just going to leave anyway. Now I just hang out with people who just have been here for a while, like you or like Kevin on the chat right now. Yeah. Um, because I know, like, I, we all know we're here to stay anyway, so it's not like I'm trying to actively seek out or actively filter out people who are not meeting that criteria. It's just, it's just the way it is. Because you just get tired at some point of always, like, having to rebuild your circle of friends every year does get tiring right and um you know especially if you have a significant other or or a spouse in japan you sometimes you spend years 
with them and then if you're like okay now what do i do on weekends or, or something like if you've if you haven't may either maintained uh, a certain or whatever circumstance you're you know you're you're almost left like okay now i'm back to square one and oh. it's, it, it's it's made it, it is more difficult when you're older to to make good friends you know so uh, I, like definitely like uh I, i've always kind of been like a lone wolf because yeah. of the bullying and all that stuff back in canada and you you kind of you kind of come how can I say this you you become sort of like a friend with loneliness for some reason sometimes you feel lonely and you don't like it sometimes you just want that solitude yeah exactly Mm -hmm. and so for me I need that balance sometimes I need I need my me time but sometimes I need to meet people like if if one of those times is, is getting too long I go crazy so yeah. Uh, so yeah, in Japan is like, uh, you know, like uh, after you've been here for a while, you just keep the those that you know you've been with for the longest time, and and that's pretty much it. I would say. Um, yeah, like uh, I forgot where I was going with this, but yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no, sorry. I, yeah, no, I know, I know what you mean. I know what you mean, and it's. What, what I've noticed is you can, at least for me, I can spot other foreigners here who've been here a long time and those who are fresh off the boat or fresh off the plane, so to speak. Because, <laughs> oh I, my and, god! And even from a from a distance, you know, just just how they're carrying themselves, you know. Uh, but I I used to not do this, but now I I try and make an effort. If I see a, another foreigner walking down the street, I'll say hello. And judging by their response, I can tell if they're a, been if they're a long termer or not. Usually, the long term people will say hello back and will have a nice chat. The people who are usually pretty fresh it completely ignore you, completely ignore you. Like they don't want to even acknowledge another foreigner. Oh, that's really? Past the, yeah. Okay. At least, at least that's my experience. Um, it, now, I'm not saying all. Obviously, I don't know every single foreigner actually I, I really st- have stopped hanging around a lot of uh, other uh, foreigners in in the city not because I don't want to or I'm stuck up or anything it's just I just don't know anyone and I can't really relate to a lot of people here now you know because they're 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 most of the foreign population in this city are either auto mechanic engineers with different schedules than mine or people who are fresh off the plane who or you know a different generation than me, so it's it's just really hard to relate to in many aspects, you know. So, yeah, like it's it's like I know some like especially if if it's somebody like uh, I don't know they're kind of like managing community, so they made like let's say like a, I don't know like a coffee shop that attracts a lot of foreigners. I guess in that case they they're kind of good at renewing themselves and like not like being able at like meeting people of like doesn't matter for how long they've been in Japan, right? Right. But for the average person like me and you, I think it's, it's a lot harder, like, you know, uh, because you meet that person who just arrived last week and everything is new for them and Japan is so wow. And you just, like, you want to bring them back down to earth, but 
they won't let you to. Yeah. So it's like, okay, well, <laughs> you know, that, that's what it is in Japan. Like I, I make jokes about Japan all the time on, on Facebook and all. And, and I have one friend, like she's always saying like, Do, are you sure you really like Japan? Because you bitch about Japan all the time. And she's Japanese and she's a, she's a big fan of London. She lived okay. there before. Yeah. And I just turned around and said like, like you love London, right? It's like, yeah. Have you, like you've never had any complaint about London for like the, the six years you lived there, really? And it's like, oh, okay, I see your point. Yeah. Um, well, so, it, go, yeah. Go, going on that, sorry to interrupt, but, you know, okay. uh, people who, they think, oh, you moved to, Jap you love Japan so much you moved there, that means you can never complain at all about anything about the country or else, oh, you hate Japan now, right? No, no, it's like... Fuck that. Yeah, you can't have criticism of anything. Yeah, exactly. I mean, I wouldn't still be living in Japan if I didn't love living here, if I didn't love certain aspects of this country, you know? Uh, but if if I if the negatives outweigh the positives, I would just say fuck it and move somewhere else. I mean, it's that simple for me. But I don't want to move out of Japan right now. So, but that doesn't mean that I can't complain or I can't find something that I don't like about this country and not express my opinion about it, you know? Yeah. Makes me think of that that idea about like like society and outcasts. I've always thought they were kind of really funny uh, ideals or rather concepts. Because like like to, to take to to use an example like Okay, let's say you have you have a pedophile in a neighborhood. Yeah. People don't like pedophiles usually. He's an outcast. Usually, usually, right? Usually, right? Yeah. yeah. Well, in Japan, maybe that maybe, maybe yeah. that's different. But it's a great, great anyway, zone, okay. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, yeah. Maybe it's not the best example, but anyway. So, he's an outcast. Okay, outcast. Right. But, but wanted or not, he's still part of that society of yours. Yeah. And you have to deal with it. Yeah. Okay? So that brings me back to us. It's like, in Japan, it's always been foreigners and Japanese. Yeah. They're clear on that division. But that they accept you or not, or that you want it or not, you're still part of the society. Exactly. Yeah. You know? So, that they like it or not, you can still have criticism about anything. You know, there are some things about Japan I don't like. There are some things that I do. That doesn't mean I should be I should be moving out. Right. Like, like living in Japan doesn't mean you have to love everything about Japan. Shit, as a Japanese, they don't love everything about Japan either. So, like, yeah, the mentality where, like, especially, like, when you have, like, kind of, like, presumptuous foreigners here, they're like, well, you don't like it, go back home, like. I actually never heard a Japanese tell me this. It's always foreigners. Yeah, the yeah. the the question you'll get from Japanese is when are you going home? But that's that's not really they're yeah, they're, so they're, they're not, not they, yeah yeah they don't really mean when leaving my country you you barbarian. It's more like um, they're just where I think a lot of it comes from is they're just curious about you know they they think it's surprising that you would choose to live in Japan, which for them is just normal. You know, and 
it, they say, aren't why don't you go back to your home or, or whatever? And uh, I'm just like, nope, well, not this you time. You know, now, yeah, now I can sort of understand because there, like, there's some Japanese, for example, when I take the train in the morning and it's super crowded, nobody likes that shit. Yeah. Okay. So when, like, one of them running that train, like, sees a foreigner and they say, like, oh, I'm, I'm planning to stay here forever. It's like, why? You know, like, it's shit. Like, <laughs> I feel they want to phrase it that way. They just can't. But, um, yeah, like, so I can sort of see it from that perspective. Uh, but, yeah, it's just, like, that division between Japanese and foreigners has always been there. Like, even when I when I make home parties at my place, a few times I got some Japanese coming over. And you know what to expect? You'll always have the Japanese corner and the Gaijin corner. Yeah. It's always that fucking way. And I hate it. I hate that shit so much. It's, it's like junior it, high level stuff, you know? It's junior high. Yeah, exactly. It's like high school shit. And it, it's totally against my, my vision on, on diversity. You know, if you're diverse, you fucking mix in. Yeah. yeah. You know, you don't like exclude yourself. Like, you know, it's, it's so it's it's almost presumptuous, you know? It's like, oh, well, we're Japanese, so we're not good enough. Like, you're, you're not good enough for us, you know? Um, even back in Canada, like, I met Japanese people coming on their working holiday visa to study English. But they always hang out among Japanese people. And speak Japanese. And, and speak Japanese, and then they go on trips and road trips here and there across the country. And they've never learned English for shit. It's, yeah. it's so ridiculous. Yeah. I, I, yeah. I mean, I, I totally get that. Um, I, I understand. I know exactly where you're coming from on that. Uh, I think a lot of it, though, is also, it's not just uh, people, but, you know, that's the closest thing. If, if you're in a, a, a foreign land that, um, and you're fresh into the foreign land, you, you want to find something that kind of anchors you back to home in some way because uh, mm -hmm. it's a it's a comfortable thing and so i think that's why people tend to gravitate towards either their fellow countrymen or or whatever not not to say that they should uh, you know i i agree with you if you're going to go to a different country you, you should mingle with as many different people as as you can but you know some people they they like that comfort in finding the familiarity you know they're they're oh yeah yeah for you know, for sure you have I guess I'm just getting upset at people always playing in the comfort zone and not just yeah. in that aspect, like all, almost anything. Yeah. Uh, because I've always been somebody for change and for diversity, right? So, um, so of course, if I visit a foreign country, like, of course, it, even in Japan, if I meet a Canadian, I'm pretty happy about it. Like, it's not like if I'm going to say, fuck you, you're Canadian, you like me, so I don't want to see you. <laughs> right. I'm not going to do that. <laughs> um, yeah. I, actually, I'd be like, I, I've met sometime last year some. Canadians from the Maritimes, from like uh, Nova Scotia and, and uh, I think PI, and was like, wow, like that's, I was pretty impressed. Like I, I usually never see that. Right. So of course, like I, I spent some time to speak with them, um, but yeah, like it's it's just like that 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 division you always get because like back in Canada and, and I'm sure maybe some like many parts in the states, um, like let's say for, like, let's take for example citizenship, okay. If I was becoming a naturalized Japanese, can I even call myself Japanese? Even if I have the goddamn passport, you know? Right. And 
a lot of Japanese people would argue that you're not really Japanese. You got a paper saying you are, but you're not really, okay? Yeah. Um, and I told to many Japanese, like, that's funny because if you go in Canada and you're a natural ass Canadian, no one would fucking argue that you're Canadian. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Because you have Canadians of all backgrounds. And I've met plenty of Japanese Canadians. And boy, they're different from Japanese people, okay? So yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> a different kind. Well, actually, yeah. I, I work with a, a Japanese woman who, her, she lived in Canada, and I think her husband still lives there. Uh, he okay. he runs a Japanese restaurant in Vancouver, but her children were raised for years in Canada, and so but now they're in Japan. But they are very Western. I mean, like you you talk to them, their English is is fluent because I mean they grew up speaking English mostly, um, and just their their mindset is very, I, I wouldn't say Canadian, but just very uh, Western mindset, you know, and to other Japanese people, they would say, oh, they're not Japanese, just even though they were born in Japan, and they live in Japan, and they have Japanese passport, all that, but oh, they spent formative years in Canada, so they're not truly Japanese anymore, you know. That's, that's so you know? terrible, like the, the Japanese, like they... A lot of them go against so much, like anything that's monogenous. You know, they want everything to be monogenous. Yeah. And I, I think it's it's their loss because you have so much to gain from diversity. I think. You know, when you live in a place where like everything is the same, you just live in that that resonance cone where like you just whatever you say must be correct. You know, like so you just like reward yourself by saying anything or doing anything. You know, and. Uh, no, like uh, it's too bad that, that Japan doesn't see doesn't see that. You know, it doesn't they don't want to take diversity back in their country. Yeah, uh, but they're going to have to eventually. I mean, they're 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 facing a, a crisis with uh, a, you know labor crisis and, and people you know um, not being able to pay pensions and and whatnot. So they're you know they're having to invite I guess more uh, unskilled foreign labor in, into the country so the future of Japan is going to be a lot more diverse than many Japanese are probably comfortable with but that's just the reality of it you know you know like yeah. I, I I want to agree with you but at the same time like, the Japanese are pretty good at Japanizing yeah. and a bit like even Western civilization has sort of did this especially during colonized, colonization I mean uh, where like they kind of impose their culture on some other people. Japan would probably do that, you know. Like, uh, okay, well, maybe we'll get more Vietnamese, they say, but at the same time, make sure you make them the most Japanese you can. You yeah. know, that's what I'm saying. So it's like, sort of like tongue in cheek sort of movement. It's like, okay, we'll accept more foreigners, but the only reason why we want, why we want to get more foreigners in the country is for like for them to pay taxes. And and pension, so you know, it's like I'm not sure how they're gonna deal with that. Right, right. Well, yeah, it's uh, it's it's certainly something that uh, will be interesting to watch in the next few years, especially next year. Um, see how Japan deals with the influx of foreign tourists with Olympic. You know, that's that's the topic on everyone's mind right now is the Olympics. The Olympics. Um, 
I know they've, they've even started changing stop signs around here to include the English word stop on them. <laughs> yeah. Just, just like it wasn't, they, it wasn't obvious enough. You know? Yeah, there's just a few of them though, and they they seem to be like really out in the country where nobody goes. I'm like, I'm thinking, what's the purpose of changing this one? Why not change the ones in the city first and then move out that way? But maybe, it's, maybe it's a yeah. test run. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> yeah. Well, or it just could be the city doesn't give a shit, and they're like, well, we have to have a certain number of these ones with stop signs, but fuck it, let's just do random ones you know who knows but yeah yeah it could be yeah, that yeah yeah so well anyways uh thank you very much uh for coming on the podcast um very very insightful um i i liked the the game talk a lot that was uh it was good to see um your uh, your thoughts on that and and everything so i appreciate you coming on well thank you so much for having me and yeah. like uh yeah, like I'm glad I finally got into the onto your show because we we rescheduled so many times. But yeah, uh, yeah. So I guess we'll uh, we'll keep in touch after this. Okay. Yeah. And yes. of course, you're welcome back anytime. So uh, um, if just let the viewers know and the listeners know um, where can people find you on the interwebs itself. Uh, yeah, well, these days I haven't done much videos uh, last year, but you can still check out youtube.com slash Remino. Yeah, I have a short name, a short URL, because I signed up on YouTube in 2006, so... Uh, yeah, yeah. Um, uh, so I make like, just like dumb videos here and there. I've been doing videos for 20 years. I'm not... I wouldn't really consider myself a YouTuber, because I've always done videos in some form or, or matter, you know? Right. There's that, and also um, I like doing some bits of photography, so I just post that stuff on Instagram. So uh, same username, so Instagram.com/remino. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just post stuff there. There's also Twitter and Facebook, but Twitter on I kind of just complain, and Facebook I just post jokes. So feel free to uh, try to follow me on Twitter. Facebook I don't accept all friend requests. It's kind of more like VIP sort of thing, but yeah. Yeah. Start with YouTube and Instagram. We'll see from there. <laughs> okay. Well, okay. Yeah. yeah. And I'll I'll include links in the show notes below. So, anyway, thanks, Remy, and uh, we'll we'll see you soon. Okay. Thank you. Okay. Have a good one. All right.